0: Thanks so much. Let's throw up the first slide on the PowerPoint. I'd like to thank Arthur and Christian for um, doing my message this morning for me. So, I'm I'm done. We all can go home early day today. Come in early, leave early. That's what I say. Anyway, it's good to be with you again. My last time here was. Uh, during the weekend of your church retreat, and it was a blessing to meet so many of you. And uh, I'm going to ask you if you want to come up and say hello to me to tell me your name again. Because, I'm you know, the retreat was how long ago? Yeah, that's, that's the extent of my memory. <laughs> my memory doesn't go beyond four. So if I met you last week, forget about it. Anyway... This morning, we are coming to a wonderful portion of Scripture. Pastor Chris invited me to continue this series uh, that you're on in Matthew, and we, I find myself in Matthew chapter 22, and I've never taught or spoken on this passage before, so it's going to be a joy to study this portion together with you. And what we're coming on is, as, uh, as Arthur mentioned, is this wedding invitation, How many of you like, you know, Clippers, Lakers? How many of you like? How many of you like go to weddings? Raise your hand. Weddings, yeah. All right. So uh, the best part of the wedding is what? The banquet. (laughs) You guys, you guys are my people. Yeah. Get to eat afterwards. So that's that's the good part. You know, get to see old friends and whatnot. Well. In Matthew chapter 22, what we encounter is this wonderful invitation to attend this wedding banquet. It's being given by a king. and So you know it's going to be, top-notch, right? But what we discover in this particular passage is the response of various groups of people to the invitation of the king. So let's take a look at this portion of scripture, and I'm going to hopefully do this correct. Okay, is that big enough for you to read? No? Well, then you got a Bible <laughs> or a smartphone, or actually on the pink portion of your outline uh, of your program, I think it's written there. Thanks, Julie, for giving away my, all, the, all the points of my message. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's supposed to be like hidden, but that's all right. <laughs> but this is what it says. And if you can read it up, you know, on the top here, I think that's good. You don't need to see your optometrist this year. If you can't see that, probably you want to make an appointment. This is what it says. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his slaves. He sent out his slaves to call those who'd been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who've been invited, behold, I prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their own way, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. The king was so enraged, he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Before we go on, may we pray? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your presence with us this morning. Open and illumine your word to us today. Father, may your spirit come and speak to our hearts. Father, we may not know where we are in this wedding feast invitation, but today, Father, may we hear your voice. May we hear the wooing of your heart to us to come in relationship with you. Thank you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we find here in Matthew chapter 22 is a parable of a wedding feast. It speaks to God's gracious invitation to us to salvation. And what we find in these verses are three responses. And the first response is in verse 3. It says and he sent out his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding and they were unwilling to come. The first response to the king's invitation is mockery or rejection. Those who were invited not only rejected the invitation but they ultimately killed the messengers. Now, what, what Jesus is doing here in this parable is speaking to the religious leaders of his day and also referring to Israel's general response to the Old Testament prophets. This parable sounds familiarly like the parable in the chapter just before this one. Looking back at Matthew 21, 33, Jesus is speaking. Oh, man, that's really small. I'm sorry if, you know, if, yeah, if you can read that, really, you don't need to go to the optometrist for 10 years. <laughs> and if you can't see it, I apologize, again. And what I wanted to do here was really make a comparison between verse chapter 22 and chapter 21. And and verse in chapter 21, it says this, and you tell me if it sounds familiar. This is chapter 1 now, 21. It says, when the harvest time approached, He sent his slaves to the vine growers to receive his produce. The vine growers took his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Again, he sent another group of slaves larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterward, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son, but when the vine growers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. And seize his inheritance. They took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now, there's a clear theme running between chapters 21 and 22. Both the wedding guests and the vine growers were associated with the Jewish leaders who would reject the offer of God's provision of a Messiah. In verse 45, we find sandwiched between the parable of Matthew 21 about the owner of the vineyard and Matthew 22 about the king giving a wedding feast, this interesting phrase. Okay, It says this, When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables that he was speaking about them, when they sought to seize him, they feared the people because they considered him to be a prophet. We encounter what we call an aha moment. You know what an aha moment is? It's like the light came on. The light comes on in the minds of the religious leaders and they realized that Jesus is talking about them. Okay? That's what it says. They heard his parables, he understood that the, he was speaking about them. So the focus of both parables, the wedding feast and the vineyard in the chapter before it, highlights the response of the religious leaders of Israel to the invitation of God to receive his provision of salvation. We learned from Bible study principles that parables shouldn't be used To establish doctrine. That's a basic truth. Don't try to establish doctrine from parables. Jesus' use of parables had the purpose of hiding or veiling truth from those who are unwilling to hear. So when we try to derive doctrinal positions from parables, things can go all cattywampus. You know that word, cattywampus? All askew, all awry. In other words, we can go astray from wrong interpretations of parables. For example, one might think, reading this parable, you remember that the, uh, the king became angry, and he killed all the guys, and he burned their city down? You remember that, reading that? Now, if you draw doctrine from parables, what you might conclude is that God is some angry dude. Okay, don't want to mess with him. But you know, Scripture tells us something else. In 2 Peter 3 9, it says this The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is what? He's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but for all to come to repentance. One of the principles, this passage in Matthew 22, is that those who reject God's invitation aren't only the Jews of that time, but anyone in any era who decides to turn their back on Jesus. Verse 14 of Matthew 22, Jesus says, For many are called, but few are chosen. This very simple phrase points us to the universality of the invitation. The invitation is being extended to everyone. All are invited to the wedding banquet. However, not everyone will choose to attend. The same is true of salvation. Everyone is invited, but not everyone will choose to respond. This very familiar portion John 3.16, and you probably know this by heart, but it's up there anyway. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, the invitation's been extended, and this reveals to us the importance of evangelism and and missions. Let's be very clear. The invitation is universal, but salvation is not. Can I say that again in case that's not clear? The invitation is universal, but salvation is not. There are many in our world who haven't yet heard or responded to the good news of the gospel. They haven't received the invitation to come to sit at the banquet table. And that's a challenge, I think, for us who know Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. You know, I'm the director of missions for South America with an organization called GEMS. And one of the jobs that I have is to invite people to consider spending a summer in South America, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those not only who haven't heard, but also encouraging uh, the saints, encouraging Christians down in South America. So here we are, uh, what we've seen is the first group of people, what did I say they were? They, they didn't respond, okay? So in verse 5, we're introduced to really a second group of people, and their response, they're, they're the delayers, I call them the delayers. It says in verse 5, they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. I got other fish to fry, gotta take care of my farm and my office, gotta make money. You know, we just passed Chinese New Year about a month ago, and the comedian uh, Ronnie Cheng in his uh, stand-up routine describes the meaning of Gong He Fa Choi in Cantonese or Gong Si Fa Cai in Mandarin. I, I'm sorry if I butchered that. All right, but anyways, okay. Uh, Cheng says, that Gong Hei Fat Choi or the other one (laughs) doesn't mean Happy New Year. I'm here at a Chinese church so I'd imagine you all know what that means. He says, it means, I hope you get rich. Prosperity. prosperity. Well, hope you get rich. He says, The go-to phrase at Chinese New Year is, I hope you get rich. That's Ronnie Cheng speaking, okay? You know, we can get sidetracked so easily by the pull of the world. We, We can say to God, you know, later, later, I have to take care of this stuff right now. Make enough to take care of the kids, send them to school, to buy that nicer home. Back in the parable of Matthew 22, those who were invited were in were unwilling to come. Everything was prepared, but they they paid no attention. They went their own way, one to his farm, the other to his business. Could there be anyone we might know who might be like that? Putting off the invitation until a more convenient time. Most wedding banquet invitations are not open-ended, We don't have forever to make a decision. Invitations usually tell us the date of the event and the deadline to RSVP. Right? I mean, most of you know it's just not cool to not RSVP and then show up. I mean, that's like whatever. In the case of Jesus' invitation, the time to respond is limited. We don't have forever to decide. And we don't know when the end of our life will come. The lesson here for those who are in the second group of responders is don't delay. Don't put off God's invitation to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just as a side note, the last time I spoke in Torrance was at a church down the street. And... uh, At the end of the service, there was quite a bit of conversation. This is about a month month ago. It's quite a bit of conversation after the message. And I didn't know really what was going on. And I heard someone mention Kobe. Okay? And it turned out that during the time of that morning service, you, you all know, you know, that horrible event occurred. Sudden. We imagine we can delay. You know, we'll put off this salvation invitation a little bit longer. We have things to do, but we never know when that moment may come and when we may have missed the opportunity. And I want to encourage you that if you haven't yet responded to the invitation of Jesus Christ to receive him as your personal Savior, to do so, to do it today. Don't wait. Don't delay. You know, the historical understanding of this passage, the response of the mockers, the response of the delayers, really points to the offer of salvation that's being extended to the Jewish nation. But because of their unwillingness to respond, that invitation was extended to the Gentiles. Now, during Jesus' presence on earth, the offer of salvation was pretty much limited to the Jewish people, but after they rejected the offer, the gift of salvation was extended to the Gentiles. And Paul, in Romans 11.11, writes, speaking of Israel, he says this, Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, that is, because of their delay, because of their unbelief, salvation has come to who? The Gentiles, to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much more greater riches will their full inclusion bring? The principle here, men and women, is don't delay. Don't delay. The third group of responders are those coming to the wedding feast says this those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found both evil and good and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests but when the king came in to look over the dinner guests he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes and he said to him friend how did you not come in here how did you come in here without wedding clothes and the man was speechless a kind of perplexing situation i think On the one hand, the king was uh, upset because nobody came to the wedding feast. But then when the wedding hall was filled, the king picks on one guy who wasn't dressed properly, and he kicks the guy out. What's going on? So what are we to make of this puzzling contradiction? I think the principle here is very simple. You ready? The principle is my house my rules. You got it? My house, my rules. If you're going to come to an event hosted by someone, you need to come according to the rules of the host. Now, we don't know the cultural do's and don'ts of the time. And as I said earlier, it's important not to draw theology or cultural norms From parables, but there seems to be an implication that if someone is going to enter the wedding banquet, he or she will enter according to the king's guidelines. We know from scripture passages like Ephesians 2 8 and 9 that salvation is not the result of things that we ourselves do, but is based completely upon the work of Jesus Christ. And could, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, here we are. For by grace you've been saved through faith, faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of what? Works, so that no one would boast. We're not going to enter the wedding banquet. We're not going to be a recipient of salvation based on our own goodness. Isaiah 6, 4 makes clear that our own Good deeds don't measure up. It says this: all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Okay. You know, I I know that you know. There's a a lot of idea that you know. Well, if I, um, you know, if I am a good person, if I Keep the golden rule. If I go to church every Sunday, go to Sunday school, God will let me into his his kingdom. But that's not what scripture says. He says all of our righteous acts are like what? Filthy rags. So using the illustration of clothing here, how are we changed from dirty to clean? By what means do we become clothed with the right apparel. There's this chapter in Zechariah that I absolutely adore. It stands as an illustration of the work of cleansing that God does for his people. Zechariah chapter 3 says this. It says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now, here we go. Here's the clothing illustration. Now, Joshua was clothed with what? Filthy garments and standing before the angel of the Lord. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, See, I've taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. Very interesting passage of scripture. The illustration of the transformation that comes to those who are clothed by the provision of God. Does Joshua change his own clothes? No. The cloth, clothes, the filthy garments, are changed by the Lord. It's the Lord who changes him. Reclothed by the Lord. Joshua here is symbolic of you and me. It's not that you and I, we do whatever we can to change out of those filthy garments. No, it's God himself who transforms us and changes us through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The illustration of the transformation to those who are clothed by the provision of the Lord. You know, Joshua didn't change his own clothes. He was re-clothed by the Lord. Here, I'd like to share this with you this is a okay. I'm sorry. Where is the enlarge button? Enhance, enhance. You know those show enhance, enhance. No, that's not happening. Okay. So focus your eyes. <laughs> Top left side. There's a little box. Let's see. How big is it here? That's that's all right. Small there, but there's a box there with a squiggle in it. OK? In Japanese, we call this a kanji. Yeah, I heard it. It's a Chinese character. <laughs> and for today, I'll accept that. <laughs> because the origin of kanji, of course, Chinese, okay? So here we have this character there, which I cannot read. It's, thank you. Does it? You want to come up here and preach the sermon? Yeah, man, it's Arthur and Christian and this lady. May. Yeah. Why did I come today? I didn't need to come today. Okay. So actually this word is right. It's righteousness. But it's made up of two. You see it, there's a top character and a bottom character. The upper part of the character is the character which means in Japanese hitsuji, which means sheep or lamb. Sorry. Yeah, keep going, me. (laughs) Shall I talk or shall (laughs) we? Okay, so the top is lamb. The lower part of the character is the word what it or me. So what this is saying is that righteousness is a combination of two characters, the lamb and me. Okay? So the top part of this character is not, you know, good deeds. It's not the golden rule. It's not going to church on Sunday. The top part of the character is Lamb. Okay? I'm gonna let that settle in. You're already ahead of me here. Aren't you? Yeah. The righteousness that God requires is the lamb and me. Scripture says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When I, Ware, come in relationship with God's lamb, the Hitsuji, this creates a condition of righteousness before God. The way we become righteous is not adding up a lot of good works and adding up a lot of things. No, it's by inviting Jesus Christ to be our Savior. It's responding to the wedding invitation. He's inviting us to come and be part of his family. Like I said, this is not something Japanese made up. Most of Japan is not Christian this kanji is so ancient its origin as you mentioned earlier is from what the chinese but i find it's very interesting that in within our own cultures there's a word that shows us how we come into relationship with god it's combining his lamb with us in order to create righteousness And that's how we come into the kingdom. We have several opportunities here. We can just blow off the invitation. We can delay our response. Or we can say, yes. Yes, Lord. I want to be a part of your family today. That's my invitation to you. Where will you be? What will you choose? To say yes? Or to say, Happy New Year? (laughs) I've got fish to fry. I've got things to do. Let's take a moment to bow our heads. Lord, as our heads are bowed, as our eyes are closed, I want your Holy Spirit to speak to us. Perhaps we've found it easy to put off this invitation. And maybe today, Lord, you are speaking to our hearts. Maybe to some you're inviting us to consider serving in missions this summer. Or perhaps to others, Perhaps more importantly, you're inviting us to make a decision about where Jesus Christ will be in our lives. Father, this morning we want to stop delaying. We want to stop putting it off. And today, Father, if we've somehow been touched... And reminded of the importance of this opportunity to invite Jesus to be our personal Savior, we want to make that decision today. And if we're willing to make that decision today, perhaps we'd be willing to pray this prayer of invitation. So I'd like you to pray after me if you would like to. Thank you, Father, for providing an invitation for me. I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that despite my shortcomings, you love me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place. Father, I want to receive him as my Savior today. Father, I don't want to put it off. I don't want to throw you away. I invite you to be my Savior today. Thank you, and I trust you to do this. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to invite you to talk with one of your elders today, Aaron, Arthur. Who else are elders that are here? Raise your hand. Okay. So you know who your elders are, or maybe you don't know. But I would encourage you as part of this decision to please follow through and talk with them and say, you know, uh, Pastor John invited, made an invitation that we respond to Jesus, and I made that decision today. Would you let them know, and they can pray with you as well. Thanks.